Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Defense Station Passchendaele, written by Timpanzi writes. Kabutu slowed down in front of the door that led to the astronomy. Even before he stopped moving, the servo motors whirled to life, sliding the door out of the way. Face buried in his tablet, he stepped through the bulkhead without looking, touching his hand and his brush the metal doorway. Continuing on, he walked slowly with a purpose. Kabutu liked to save time doing the prep for his morning meetings on the way to the meetings themselves. The Passchendaele was a running on a skeleton crew at the moment, which meant the efficiency was key to keeping the space station running smoothly. Naturally, Kabutu made his top priority. However, the day had not gotten off to a good start. Dr. Farsha had called him first thing in the morning, insisting that she needed to speak with him immediately. Kabut was reluctantly agreed and rescheduled her to be the first appointment of the day instead of his fourth, throwing his whole day out of sync. However, as many as he disliked making changes to a perfectly good schedule, he believed it was more important to listen to his staff and make himself available to them. Obviously, he preferred when they needed him during their allocated time, but that just came with being in charge. Arriving at the observatory, Kabutu was surprised to find his only physicist on board, Dr. Najjar, leaning over the computer, checking Dr. Farsho's work. Kubota approached, put on his trademark smile, and faltered. His smile faded away as the seriousness of the conversation between the two women became apparent. Dr. Farsha, Dr. Najjar, he said, accidentally startling them. What seems to be the issue? Dr. Farsha turned back to her computer, shaking a strand of loose hair from the three-day-old bun. We have an unauthorized... We don't know what that for sure, Dr. Najjar said, interrupting. While both women were respecting scientists in their own rights, they quickly devolved into talking over each other like a couple first-year grad students. Kabota... Cut them off for the word, restarting the conversation. From the beginning, no interruptions. Dr. Najjar, please, Dr. Farsho, go ahead. We have an unauthorized war bubble forming, Dr. Farsho said, turning back to face Kabota, shaking more hair loose. Is defense station Juno aware, Kabota asked, already running through the mental list of everything that would need to get done. Yes and no, replied Dr. Farsho. They're almost certainly aware of the war bubble, but I doubt they realize it's unauthorized. Kabodo stopped scrolling through the list in his head. He fixed his gaze at Dr. Farsho, awaiting further explanation. She looked disheveled and was still wearing her pajamas. Bubble G-137 manifested behind schedule. Dr. Najjar interrupted before Kabota could open his mouth. She had a wrinkled, caramel skin, grey streaked hair, and a sharp brown eyes. That in itself isn't alarming, but Anita, being Anita, ran a full analysis anyways. There's something wrong with that bubble, Toshihiko. Kabota took the length of the breadth of process the information before leaping into action. This is our top priority, and I want you both to work on this. 
Build in Mr. Gomez if you need additional resources. Focus on learning everything you can about the anomaly as quickly as possible. No mistakes. I want something concrete before I contact Corin Prime and Juno. Understood. He waited just long enough to see the doctor's nod before turning to leave. By the way, he said turning back to Dr. Najar, during work hours you will address me as director. Kabota strode to the weapons bay, tablet in his side. Miss Facetti should have been in the reactor room, prioritizing the station's most vital components first. But her maintenance philosophy differed from Kabuto. If the reactor goes down, she reasoned, the station and therefore the people in it would be able to survive on backup power. However, if one of the weapons suffered from a similar catastrophic failure, there would be no more station and therefore no more people. As much as the loss in efficiency bothered him, he could see the logic to Miss Fischetti's argument. And today, it happened to work in his favor. Pausing momentarily as the bulkhead door opened, Kaboto brushed the doorway with his hand as he stepped through. Miss Fischetti and her uniform violations were immediately visible. Her long black hair was tied in a loose ponytail that flowed onto the back of her white tank top, and the top half of a blue engineering jumpsuit tied around her waist. Kabuto had been far too lax on enforcing proper dress attire, but he had more pressing issues. Miss Vesetti, what is our weapon status? Good morning to you too, Tachi, she said, climbing out of the magnetic field containment units. Once I get the stupid thing superconducting instead of regular conducting, that particle accelerator should be ready. Then it's just a matter of testing the new omnidirectional fire... Wait, what's wrong? Why did you ask me like we're going to need weapons? There's an unauthorized warp bubble gestating in Octant G, his tone emphasizing the seriousness of the situation. I'm told it's unusual in some capacity, and I want the station to be ready. Toshi, director. All right, director. This is an experimental defense station. We're not supposed to be ready. We're supposed to be experiment. Why can't Juno handle this? You know, the actual defense station for the system, or even the ground forces of Corrin. We're not equipped for action. Ashendale is capable of being a combat operational, so we will be combat operational and ready to provide any assistance Juno or Corrin Prime requests. Until the unauthorized war bubble resolves and reveals itself to be friendly, we're treating it as hostile. Finish up as much as you can here, but I want the reactor inspected and cleared for combat loads. Understood? Yes, sir, Miss Fischetti said, saluting fastidiously. Kabutu turned to leave, making note on his tablet to discipline Miss Fischetti about her insubordination. Touching the doorway on his way out of weapons, Kabuto headed towards aquaponics. Kabota could smell the fish well before he entered aquaponics. Dr. Laflier was supposed to be keeping a tighter grip on that. Kabota added a note to his tablet. Rounding the corner, Kabota spotted Dr. Laflier. He was a tall for a space work, but his light-hearted attitude lent itself to the stressful environment. Lean, verging, unskinny, he constantly slouched when working despite Kabota's reminders of the importance of good posture. He noticed Kubota just as the fish surfaced on a nearby tank, splashing water into Kubota's sharp black shoes. Careful, director, Dr. Laflia said, slicking back what white little hair he had left. My babies have been riled up this morning, splashing everywhere. I'll clean up after I figure out what's going on. Noted, Kubota said, adding an item to Dr. Laflia's itinerary. How is everything? 
while the fish are agitated, but besides that, they're fine. Whatever is bothering the fish doesn't seem to be affecting the plants. They're fine, too. Atmospherics are good, the water supply is green, functioning normally and within expected parameters. Excellent. A thought creeped into Kubota's brain. Is it all the fish or just those the migratory patterns? Um, yeah, Dr. Lafia responded, caught of God. It's only affecting the migratory species. How did you know that? We have a situation developing with an unauthorized warp bubble. I need to lock everything down and ensure that we're combat ready. Dr. Lafria stood straight as an arrow. Are you serious? Who are we in combat with? No one yet, Kabota said, glancing at his watch. There wasn't much time left before the warp bubble resolved. We're going to be ready for combat as a precautionary measure. Lock everything down, then I want you in medical. Kabota left aquaponics, touching the door frame on his way out as he headed back to astronomy. Doctors Pasho and Najar were standing behind Mr. Gomez, who was working at his computer. They were all staring intently at the screens without speaking. Anything new? Kabota asked, as startling the three people in time. They all looked at each other without answering. Eventually, Dr. Najar spoke up. We've confirmed without a shadow of a doubt that there is something very unusual about the warp bubble. It appears to be oscillating, which is a very bad sign. As to the cause, there is too many possibilities. It would take days to simulate them all. Have you checked with the magnetic signature? Kobota asked, garnering confused looks from those present. One of the magnetic field's containment units for the particle accelerator is acting up. On top of that, some of Dr. Lafley's fish are behaving abnormally, but they are only the ones that use magnetic fields for migration. I know that warp bubbles are magnetically neutral, but the likelihood of these events are unrelated is vanishingly small. The other three people in the room stared at him in shock for a moment before returning to work. Specialists like Dr. Farsha and Dr. Najar and Mr. Gomez tended to forget that generalists like Kaboto existed. It was his job to know enough about each field to make a connection like this. Connections you couldn't make having only studied one field. After a few minutes of furious typing, Mr. Gomez, guided by Dr. Najar's knowledge, produced a simulation of the most likely scenario. All four of them watched the results unfold before simultaneously tapping the bone-conducting speakers in their arms for their eyeglasses. Red lights and warning alarms sprang to life as Mr. Gomez fled the room to start Passchendaele's automated shutdown sequence. Kubota was on the phone with the director of Defense Station Juno, desperately trying to convince her to perform an extreme deorbiting burn. Dr. Najar was trying to get through to the ground defense leadership on Corin Prime so that they could have some type of advanced warning. Dr. Varsho jumped back onto her computer and prepared any telescope and sensor that she could for the coming event. Defense Station Juno came into view and Dr. Varsho's main screen. It was a large rotating ring around a central tower. The ring could slide up and down the tower as an evasive maneuver, but it was locked in place at the moment. A large yellow-red flame erupted from the end of the tower, accelerating the station in an attempt to move it out of the way. On the bank of six monitors above the main screen, the anomalous warp bubble was shown in varying wavelengths, including one showing clearly the buildup of charged particles contained by the bubble's magnetic field. They're not going to make it, Dr. Farsha said aloud as more information sprang onto the screen. The bubble was already beginning to resolve and Juno had barely started moving. 
Maybe you won't be as bad as we think. Anita, Dr. Najjar began placing a comforting hand on the younger woman's shoulder. You've seen the archival footage of the Al-Kibiri drives dropping out of warp. Remember how small those ship's warp bubbles were. Remember what they did. The three of them stopped, the question hanging in the air. There was nothing more that they could do. A minute later, the warp bubble resolved itself, its magnetic field erupting outward in every direction, primed to destroy any unshielded electronics in its way. The magnetic pulse rammed into the defensive station Juno, knocking the station planetward, before frying all the unshielded circuitry within, including the circuits in people's brains. When the circuits out, the propulsion system immediately swung out of alignment, ripping the engine section off the central tower before exploding in a horrible fireball. The flames and shrapnel flew in every direction, but before they could reach the rest of the ship, the Kerr Black Hole reaction hit. Charged particles, infinitely spruce-shifted, slammed into the station, tearing through everything on a subatomic level, like a machine gun through a pillow. There was nothing left. The only saving grace was that the blue-shifted radiation passed over Corin Prime's North Pole, missing the planet. However, that was only a small mercy, because moments later the EMP hit the planet, knocking out virtually every electronic device in every car, every home, and every hospital. Millions would die in the aftermath. Kabota had never seen the scale of destruction before. His stomach was in his throat, but his mind was on the approaching EMP that would be hitting the Passchendaele at any moment. He watched the growing EMP on the banker screens, when, without warning, everything went dark. Mr. Gomez had pulled it off. Passchendaele was shut down. Kabota couldn't help but be impressed. Performing an unscheduled total shutdown on defensive station, especially... An experimental one was no easy task. Kobota wanted to give Gomez the biggest hug ever and started giggling at the thought, but the fit of laughter stopped as quickly as it started. The EMP had finished washing over them, returning his neurons back to normal. Kobota attempted to compose himself while he waited in darkness. Long seconds passed, listening to Dr. Fosho and Dr. Najjar and his own bated breath. It was excruciating. He was sure that the station was dead when he heard the telltale thunk and hum of the antimatter reactor firing up. Letting out a deep sigh, he let himself smile for a moment as the lights came back on. Dr. Dejar was smiling at him too, but Dr. Farsha was already back at work booting up her computers. It didn't take long for the computer to restart and the smiles to fade. On the screens in front of them sat a massive ship, Unlike anything Kubota had ever seen before, the hull was jet black and dark blue inlays inscribed on its bulbous armor. This hadn't been a fluke or an accident. They were under attack and the enemy had already managed to destroy the defensive station Juno and incapacitate Corin Prime's ground forces. A dark thought crossed Kubota's mind as he tapped the eyeglass and began broadcasting to the five other inhabitants of the station. A hostile ship has appeared over Corrin and destroyed defensive station Juno. I am declaring an emergency and upgrading our status from experimental to fully active. We are the only ones standing between that ship and four billion people on Corrin Prime. Defense station Passchendaele to your stations. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope... 
that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.